Good morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us that get us thinking, connected. And the connection this week is on multiculturalism and the hospitality industry. This week, Starbucks closed down to train on diversity and inclusion. It was one step of many that Starbucks will be doing to help employees think about the way they interact and support customers who come through their door. Having black customers who are waiting for their business partner to arrive, but instead end up in handcuffs and arrested is not how Starbucks wants to have their customers to be treated. And we've seen customers at Waffle House have the police called on them. A group of black women golfers had the police called in in Pennsylvania because they were golfing too slow. Why are the police being called? What's happening? Seeing this in the hospitality industry especially, for me, brings back the civil rights sit-in at the Woolworth lunch counter. The protest of separate but not being equal in the hospitality community highlighted the need for change. It was February 1st, 1960, when four black students sat down at Woolworth's lunch counter in Greensboro, North Carolina, and ordered coffee. As time reported, the white patrons eyed them warily, and the white waitresses ignored their studiously polite requests for service. Who would have thought that 58 years later, the police are being called on blacks in coffee shops and restaurants? Restaurants are where we break bread, where we celebrate, have business, first dates, proms, anniversaries. They're special places. And there should be equal treatment today that it's not happening. Our guest today has 40 years experience in the restaurant industry and over 22 years leading an organization he founded, the Multicultural Food Service and Hospitality Alliance. Welcome again to Connections Radio Show, Jerry Fernandez. We're so glad you're here today. Well, thank you, Laura. It's nice to be back. So let's talk about straight talk and why we're not talking. What's happening? Why, why can't we talk? Why is it that people are picking up the phone and calling the police? Well, uh, the police shouldn't, shouldn't automatically be the first response, but it, but it appears to be the case in way too many instances. I think the reason, at least one of the reasons, people uh, take extreme measures is because they're not comfortable uh, having conversation across cultural groups. That that cultural or racial uh, anxiety that comes when uh, two groups who don't know each other very well come in contact with each other and uh, uh, dialogue sometimes is exchanged in awkward ways. So I think when people are, are fearful for whatever reason, justified or unjustified, uh, call the police. They'll be here to, to protect us. And that seems to be what was in play at, with the Starbucks circumstance. Um, perhaps if the, uh, the, the they had a policy where two people, two employees uh, had to agree that this was an instance that required police involvement, it might not have happened. But again, knee-jerk reactions uh, or responses without a lot of thought and certainly without a lot of experience or training have led to, to some of the instances you see um, in, uh, in the news today. And the golf one in particular uh, it struck me as being unusual, uh, being a golfer and, and not very good at that. Um, I've seen a lot of slow play and, and I've seen frustration on a golf course, but never in my wildest dreams would I think that three women playing golf would require the police department to be called in order for them to be um, moved up and, and move faster. So, so uh, the police is now, it's not always the answer. It shouldn't be necessarily the first call when, when there's any cultural conflict. Uh, but for, for a variety of reasons, it seems to be um, the, the um, call of choice. So you've been in the industry for over 40 years and, I'm just curious, what things have you seen that give you hope? And what are some things that give you pause uh, in, in how we're doing? Well, I'm an ultimate optimist. So I always take the viewpoint that people can get better, that people by nature 
are, are good uh, and want to do good. And, and given the right circumstances, you know, people will make the right choice. Um, so I, I think that in spite of all the difficulties, in spite of all the, the, the angst and the pain that is going on, it, it all will turn out, you know, for the good of, of the country. Now, I, I think it's going to require leadership, uh, leadership beyond just, uh, you know, the managers at the store level. I think you're seeing from Starbucks corporate senior leadership taking, taking the reins of responsibility and saying, hey, we're going to be responsible for how customers are, are treated in our, in our businesses and we're going to do something about it. And they went on to make their training available to to all the companies, you can go on the website right now and download the, the training materials. I mean, that's an impressive step. I, I think because of the lack of political leadership that we're seeing in this country in that in Washington and frequently at the state level, we're so politically polarized that we can't make decisions about even the most basic things. Uh, you know, the safety of our children in school, you know, human decency seems to be uh, politicized. So. Uh, there's a lot of reasons to be concerned, but at me being the ultimate optimist, uh, I believe we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna see improvements made. I've seen way too many men and women of goodwill in in the restaurant hospitality space who are trying to do the right thing, who who are doing some very positive things, uh, and I think you know, that the pressure of of all these things coming to a head uh, uh, that that it's gonna encourage more companies to step up, take leadership consistent with what Starbucks is doing, and really start to address some of these deep-seated issues. Bias can be really hard to talk about. Uh, are there ways that you think makes it easier to talk about or ways that we just need to look at uh, in terms of framing it so that it can be more productive to talk about? What are your thoughts about how do you how do you open it up for real straight straight talk conversations? Well, you bring up bias and my feeling is that most people don't even know what bias or implicit bias or, or, or uh, unconscious bias really is. And, and bias are automatic assumptions that your brain makes about people, uh, places and circumstances all the time, usually without your awareness, intention or control. So it's making connections because the brain is receiving 11 million bits of information at any one given time. And it can't process all that at the conscious level. So subconsciously, it begins to put people and things and experiences in groups based upon uh, past experiences. So, so when I smell smoke, um, I think, well, perhaps if I'm outside, there's a Boy Scout and we're having a cookout, that's normal. And that's natural. But if I smell smoke in the middle of the evening, that's not normal. And so those associations, uh, you know, are made in my head automatically. And I immediately start thinking, hey, this could be a dangerous circumstance. So so when people get in touch with their own bias, their own uh, frequently prejudices or negative associations, uh, whenever you hear someone say all women are this or all immigrants are that or all Asians are this, there's almost certainly an unconscious bias at work there. Because when you generalize and say all of any one group is something, you're making a, a, a generalized statement and you're making associations that don't always apply to everyone. So getting in touch with bias and how we feel about circumstances and people, um, just think politically. You know, uh, How do you feel about Democrats? How do you feel about, about Republicans? How do you feel about really tall people? How do you feel about people who are really short? We all have mental associations, and those come into play when we're making decisions. When you get in touch with um, unconscious bias, you make better decisions. And that's what Starbucks' training was really about, explaining the difference between explicit bias. And so I have a bias against chicken livers. I don't like chicken livers. <laughs> um, an implicit bias, I learned that I had... Uh, uh, an unconscious or implicit bias against tattoos on people's neck. For some reason, it sends wrong signals or bad signals to me, and I had no real consciousness until someone pointed it out. So I think, you know, this unconscious bias training that's become popular in, in corporate America is is a is a mechanism 
for people to have honest, healthy conversation across cultural, racial, ethnic groups. Because if you have a brain, you have bias. So everyone has bias. Everyone has unconscious bias. It's not a white thing. It's not a black thing. It's not an Asian thing. It's not a gay thing. It's a people thing. It's a human thing. And if everybody has it, then everybody has to manage it and everybody can do something about it, which is the good news. So I think I think we're going to see more of this kind of training. Um, and when you become aware of, of your own bias, you'll be amazed at how quickly you can change your thinking and make better decisions. It is an individual journey and, and learning how to defeat or to recognize and conquer some of that can be turned around to an opportunity to like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that I had that sort of a discovery instead of a shaming. And I think if we can get away from the shaming, people are more open to looking at and, and growing. Uh, at least that's been my experience in working with folks around me. Well, no, I, you're absolutely right. You you can't get into this thinking win lose mm -hmm. right wrong. It's just it's I I'm not aware. I didn't grow up around mm -hmm. um, Hispanics. I didn't grow up around blacks. I didn't grow up so I'm underexposed. You mm -hmm. know, I explain people in in the training that we offer that I consider myself a recovering homophobe, and I know that's a, that's a shocking statement for some people because I grew up on the East Coast at a time when being gay was very negative. Was very um, ostracized uh, people people were really talked badly about if they were gay and mm -hmm. that's the way I was raised and socialized and it wasn't until much later in in my adult life that I realized that hey even though I talked nice um, I still had these tendencies um, that were unconscious and so once I was able to get in touch with those I, I was able to change my behavior um, to eliminate those kinds of of, of comments uh, catch my thinking and be open and honest to my friends and say hey look you know I was raised in a by a, a, an uncle who, who's pretty racist mm -hmm. um, and and guess what you know those things rub off on you but over time and with honest conversation um, with others and then looking at yourself honestly you have the ability to overcome uh, bias and, and prejudice um, and racist tendencies uh, but it really needs for people to be honest with themselves and say, hey, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I haven't spent enough time working with women in leadership positions. What do I need to know about it? I, I didn't grow up in a black community. Tell me what I need to know. Um, I, I'm trying to be inclusive. And I think that's the kind of conversation that that uh, I, our, our industry, at least the restaurant hospitality industry, the folks that I work with, are beginning to get into this discussion. We want to treat all customers with respect and dignity. We want everyone to feel welcome and comfortable. Um, we want them all to feel safe. And, and in order to do that, you've got to understand people from who they are, from their own perspectives and learn how, you know, we're a lot more alike than we are unalike. And, and if, But if we recognize and respect differences, um, the commonalities and, and, and opportunities to work with those commonalities are much easier. And with that, Jerry, I'm going to have us close this, this segment. Uh, and in our next segment, we're going to be looking more at the business case for inclusion. You're listening to Jerry Fernandez joining me on Connections Radio Show. This is Laurie Fitz. You're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And for more information on the Multicultural Food Service and Hospitality Alliance, that's at mfha.net. Stay tuned. We're going to be talking some good stuff. So I look forward to having you come back right after these few advertisements. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us by opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests. We'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. 
Victor's 1959 Cafe in South Minneapolis is a locally owned and operated restaurant offering traditional Cuban food. Open for breakfast and lunch daily with dinner Tuesday through Saturday. For night shift workers, Victor's even has both a morning and evening happy hour. And Victor's now accepts dinner reservations too. Stop in and try some delicious authentic Cuban cuisine like ropa vieja and seafood paella. Make your reservation and learn more at victors1959cafe.com. Victor's 1959 Cafe, revolutionary Cuban cooking. AM 950 listeners, we have a home cleaning company with an offer just for you. They're Blue Sky Services. Blue Sky Services will wash your windows, siding, gutters, clean those black streaks off your roof, and more. Window washing starts at $100. Siding cleaning starts at $199. Call Blue Sky Services at 651-447-4484 to ask for the AM 950 special. If you hear this, you have an exclusive house cleaning offer for June only. Call 651-447-4484. That's Blue Sky Services at 651-447-4484. Is it time to downsize, but don't know where to start? Give the House Geeks with Bricks Real Estate a call. We're experienced in making this process as easy as possible. Whether it is help with pricing your home, assistance in finding movers, or any of the other professionals you might need to get your home sold, we're here for you. Take the worry away by giving us a call today at 612-207-5388. That's 612-207-5388 or online anytime at housegeeks.com. Stages Theatre Company is dedicated to creating a space where diverse opinions, courageous dialogue, and community engagement is not only valued, but vital to our shared artistic and educational success. Stages Theatre Company creates a welcoming home for all. For over 30 years, Stages has supported quality theatre programming for children. Stages gives opportunities for youth to be on stage, backstage, in the audience, and in the classroom. Whether you come to see a show, enroll a young person, in a workshop or benefit from their outreach programs in the community stages brings art to life learn about stages theater by going to stagestheater.org and become part of the magic of live theater by taking your family to an amazing show or enrolling someone you love in an education program stages theater company operates out of the hopkins center for the arts located in main street in the heart of downtown hopkins for more information on Stages Theater, go to stagestheater.org. That's stagestheater.org. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and we have Jerry Fernandez today. He is the president and founder of the Multicultural Food Service and Hospitality Alliance. And today we're talking about the connection between multiculturalism and the hospitality industry. Jerry's been sharing with us his work that he's been doing with unconscious bias and straight talk about why why can't we talk about stuff? Uh, why is it that we're calling the police? Why can't we talk to each other? And that's going to be a theme throughout the show today is what are the sorts of things and ways that we can connect better and we can talk about our differences in a positive and supportive way? And in this segment, we're going to be looking at how are businesses looking at the business case for diversity and inclusion and multiculturalism? So, Jerry, welcome. Nice to be back with you, Larry. Absolutely. So you do a lot of work doing all kinds of presentations all over the country. They've got you running ragged. Well, you're, you're out and really, about. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the nature of the work. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we talked about this being business focused. When we talk about uh, diversity and inclusion or culture and, and inclusion or cultural intelligence, as we refer to it, it's really about business. Diversity is about dollars and cents. Um, being inclusive, being uh, uh, respectful, and treating all your guests uh, in a way that you would want to be treated in a positive way is going to lead to increased uh, sales. So when somebody says, why do we need to focus on Hispanics or, or women? Why do we need to hire more people who are black or Asian? Uh, um, the answer is because we're trying to understand the customer better and the customer is growing uh in many ways uh, uh from a demographic standpoint uh, the increase of hispanic latinos uh and immigrants uh is, is going to mean that companies need to change the way they talk to their customers and so that's a big part of the business case uh, why people want to be focused on on inclusion and you do a lot of programs on cultural intelligence tell us what you th- how you define cultural intelligence 
Well, my definition is having the knowledge, skills, and ability uh, to effectively and appropriately engage people from different cultural groups and deliver better business results. With the emphasis on knowledge, you know, that not everyone who's black is African-American, because uh, our black brothers and sisters from Jamaica uh, consider themselves Jamaicans and not African-Americans. Um, so you understand the different cultural groups. Dominicans are very different than than um, um, Mexicans, even though they speak the same language. Culturally, there's lots of differences. Uh, so understanding the different cultural groups, uh, how they respond to leadership, how they how they respond to space and time and and uh, uh, leadership uh, is all um, can all be leveraged to delivering better results. It'll help improve retention, improve productivity, and improve customer service. Do you see similarities between emotional intelligence and cultural intelligence as it being a skill that can be developed? Um, good point. Uh, we look at it this way that it, you have IQ, intelligence quotients, um, IQ plus EQ, your emotional intelligence, plus CQ, which is cultural intelligence, equals profit or, or business success. So when you take what you were gifted with in terms of your own intellectual ability, uh, learn how to apply it and how you emotionally connect with other folks and how you respond uh, to to the everyday workings in business, whether it's from an employee standpoint or a customer standpoint. And then you understand how to do that across cultural groups. That just makes you very effective in, in coming up with the best solution, uh, being able to engage people. And the key to businesses today is how engaged are your employees? Um, if you have highly engaged employees, um, they take less sick days. They make a few mistakes. Uh, the safety scores are much higher. Uh, the theft goes down, uh, and customer customer sales go up. So uh, those are really critical uh, elements to any business uh, engagement. Is how you get there, uh, adding those you know your emotional uh, quotient, cultural quotient, um, it all leads to better business. We were talking about unconscious bias in our last segment, and I know that you've given programs that talk about unconscious bias impacting recruitment and developing talent. Um, we're coming down to the end of this segment, but I'd like to just have you get started um, sharing about your ideas about how can unconscious bias get in the way of perhaps looking at the best talent that's out there. Well, when it comes to recruiting talent, it comes in multiple different packages, and people may not walk the same way, talk the same way, dress the same way, they didn't go to the same schools. That doesn't mean they don't have the ability to do the job. And so... Uh, a real quick example is the Philharmonic in New York City uh, was concerned that they didn't have very many women um, being selected for the symphony orchestra. And someone came up with the idea of placing a screen in front of the musicians, um, or a screen between the musicians and the judges, and an amazing thing happened. The number of women went up by 40% just by the judges not not being able to see who was playing the music. Mm -hmm. So all they did was listen to the music and, and all of a sudden the women's scores went up. So, so there's a lot of ways where bias gets in the, in the way of making good decisions for the business. You, you pick somebody who went to the same school as you, you look at somebody, oh, they remind me of a former employee. And, and those are not good reasons to make a decision about hiring someone. So we'll hear more in our next segment. You're listening to Connections Radio Show, and we're talking about multicultural and hospitality industry. And we've got Jerry Fernandez from the Multicultural Food Service and Hospitality Alliance. And more information on that organization is mfha.net. And we'll be back to talk more about some of the cool things that Jerry teaches. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us by opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests. We'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. 
Crooner's Lounge and Supper Club is delighted to offer its spacious facilities for your private function. From weddings, retirement parties, business dinners, or any special occasion, Crooner's combines a dedicated, full-service special events team, an award-winning chef, and a beautiful lakeside ambiance to make your event a resounding success. Visit croonersloungemn.com to learn more about their private dining options or call 763-571-9020 to get a quote for your next event today. A night out with Chelsea Handler, live this Tuesday at the State Theater. I'm doing a tour where I come around to different places in this country and talk to people who have different opinions than me because I want to learn more, I want to understand better, I want to have nice, healthy conversations with strangers who think differently. A night of fun and interactive discussion with Chelsea, hosted by TV's Jenna Shortle. What is the most important issue for all of you in this room? Is it foreign affairs? Is it legal immigration? Is it dancing with the stars? Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster in the box office. Sponsored by Delta and Twin Cities Pride. It's a great day for a bike ride. What's that? You can't find your bike? Oh, it has a flat. No problem. Take it to Nokomis Cycle, the hardest working bike shop in town. They're celebrating their 23rd year in business. In that time, they've mastered the art of friendly, dependable service. So keep life and your bike moving with Nokomis Cycle, working harder to make you go faster. Nokomis Cycle at the corner of 46th and Bloomington Avenue South in Minneapolis or at NokomisCycle.com. As a family-owned business, Standard Heating and Air Conditioning has been serving the Twin Cities since 1930. A new furnace or air conditioner from Standard Heating and Air can lower your monthly utility bills, administer more consistent temperatures, and even improve indoor air quality, making your home safer and healthier for the whole family. The average heating and cooling system lasts 15 to 20 years. So if yours is on its last legs, call Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. Learn more at standardheatingdeals.com. Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, the comfort you deserve. I'm Steve Conklin. And I'm Jake DeRoff. We're the hosts of the Mortgage Talk Show, Sundays at 1230. Steve, what are we going to talk about this week? This week we'll be talking about the repeal of Dodd-Frank. What's this mean and how does it affect you? We'll also be taking listeners' questions. What do you do if you don't have a down payment? And talking about our new Dockless Loan Program. Check us out for more information. Email us any questions at mortgagetalkshow.com. Tune in to The Mortgage Talk Show every Sunday at 1230 on AM 950. With your AM 950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Today will be mostly sunny with a high near 81. Tonight, a 40% chance of rain with lows around 59. Saturday, a chance of thunderstorms with a high near 70. Saturday night, mostly cloudy with a low around 54. Sunday, a high of 73 and a low around 55. Eat Local Minnesota is a great way to find locally owned Minnesota restaurants. Make sure the money you spend stays local. Featuring great restaurants such as Burger Moe's, The Bad Waitress, Cafe Latte, and more. Find a full list of restaurants at eatlocalminnesota.com. radio show where we talk about ideas that matter and we make the connection. Today we're making the connection between the hospitality industry and the growth and opportunities in the multicultural world. And we've got one of the best guys to talk to us about that, Jerry Fernandez, who is the president and founder of the Multicultural Food Service and Hospitality Alliance and who I get to work with and have worked with for 11 years. Can you believe that, Jerry? Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a long time. It's gone by real fast because I think we're doing very good work. Yes, we very are. Very important work. Yeah. I've admired the work that you've done, and I'm glad to be a part of it and support it. We were talking about unconscious bias in the first segment. The next segment, we talked a little bit about cultural intelligence, what that is. And we started to talk about how unconscious bias can get in the way of recruiting. And you gave a great illustration in looking at the orchestra. Um, but it, it happens not just at the recruiting phase. Uh, happens at the hiring, at, at the promotion stages, and all along the way. What are ways that you have been working with businesses to help them look at the way that they do training differently and promotion well, differently? So again, educating businesses on what biases and conscious biases, illustrating where it impacts the business negatively, um, showing them the payoff as to what happens when you do it more inclusively, uh, you, you, you have better results, um, leads to, okay, if I know I have unconscious bias and we all have it um, and we can change our behavior to deliver better results, now I can get in touch with the different cultural groups that I have who, who make up my workforce or the customers to whom I want to sell products or service. And 
when you begin to understand culture, how people behave, it shows up in some interesting ways. So, for example, um, with Hispanic Latino uh, employees, we find this in restaurants, very common, that because of the La Familia approach, the family approach that's so common in Hispanic Latino culture, um, extended families really matter. Um, they want to have family at work in, to the same degree that they have family at home. So in U.S. culture, we want to we wanna know what your five-year plan is, and you, we want you to get right to the point and know clearly what it is that, that, that you want to you achieve with your career. Where Hispanic Latinos are not so quick to do that. And so there might be a job that, that, that uh, Jose is perfectly positioned for, and me being the U.S. trained, grew up in the U.S., says, well, if Jose wants that job, he should apply for it. But Jose's thinking, hey, you're the boss. You're the heffy. You're, you'll take care of me. You know I can do that job. You'll give me that job. And so what ends up happening frequently is the manager goes, well, I guess Jose doesn't want that job, moves on, selects somebody else. Jose's now frustrated and disappointed because his boss didn't give give him the promotion or put him up for the promotion. And what you have is basic the clash in cultural expectations. The, the, Jose expected you to take care of me, come to me and say, hey, Jose, this job's up. You want it? Um, and Jose's not getting that. And you're saying, hey, Jose, do it the American way. You know, you've got to apply for that job. So we see uh, companies, when they begin to discover this and approach differently the way they promote um, the jobs availability, uh, they encourage women and all the people of color to apply. Here's what it takes for you to be you know, qualified for this job. You, you see a very different um, behavior. And we've seen, you know, people make big strides. Uh, there are other issues around Hispanic women who, who are less likely to want to um, uh, take a promotion that would keep them away from home. You know, family commitments. And, you know, really wanting to check with their husbands before they do it. That's part of culture. Um, and when you understand that, you you can make changes in the way you do things that will produce better outcomes. Generations has come up a lot in terms of cultural differences. We're seeing a lot of differences between millennials and boomers and Zs. Um, you've been really looking at professional development not only looking at multicultural people of color and women, but also next gen. Um, what are some insights that, that you can give us about looking at how to support uh, a cultural awareness, a cultural intelligence, especially in supporting the next generation coming up into the workforce? Well, you know, intergenerational is also about culture. It's mm -hmm. not just about black or Hispanic or Asian. And multi-generational uh, issues are, are really in the forefront. We have uh, a huge portion of our workforce is millennials uh, and now Gen Z. And me being a boomer, uh, boomers are often frustrated with, with the, the millennials' you know, reliance upon technology. Uh, they're less likely to pick up the phone and call you. They'll text you. Mm -hmm. um, and so different choices in the way we use communication vehicles sometimes causes tension. Um, but there's also big gaps where uh, millennials, because of the times, because of changing times, don't have some of the experiences um, that boomers have or that boomers expect them to have. Uh, so let me give you an example. Um, just recently in our office, this is the second time this has come up, we have millennial and Gen Z, um, when we talk to them about shipping packages off, in both cases, these two young men had never mailed a package from the post office. Really? Now, that is as common as, as anything that I can think of growing up mm -hmm. because you always got stuff in the mail. In many other instances, uh, I've seen it where people aren't that familiar about where the address goes on, on a letter because they don't write letters. So you have other instances where people weren't, 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 weren't taught how to do certain kinds of things. Uh, certain kinds of things, and and um, it's because uh, those opportunities to learn certain skills uh, aren't there. I'll, I'll give you a good example. As a young man growing up, I had a paper route, and I had to figure out how I was going to deliver all those papers in time still to make my baseball practice. I had to collect uh, uh, money from everybody 
who, who subscribed to the newspaper. I had to pay the business guy. Well, today no one has, uh, no one, no, no one's young people are doing delivering papers. So, so that those jobs that used to be there to teach young people, you know, responsibility and time management are not there. And so frequently we have boomers really frustrated with um, uh, millennials not knowing things that they think they should know. When in fact, uh, you can't blame people for not knowing what they've never been taught. Uh, and, and conversely, so we spend a lot of our time saying to boomers, stop hating on, on uh, millennials and start helping them connect the dots. Show them the way because we need the millennials and the, Z and the Gen Zs to be very successful. They're smart. They have better material and information at their fingertips. They have more information on that cell phone available to them than we had in our entire lifetimes. Mm. So we have to encourage them to find ways to work together. They can show us the way to use our technology. We can show them the backstory on certain things. So lots of intergenerational uh, tensions, but the good news is companies are focused on them because they realize that they're the future. And millennials and Gen Z have a real passion for multicultural environments. They want that. They seek it out. They appreciate it. And that's something that we can celebrate as well. Well, they don't have the same baggage. They didn't grow up um, with segregated schools. And my wife grew up in the South and uh, uh, went to all-black school and had all-black teachers and all-black, you know, everything. And it wasn't until she came up North where she experienced into, in, you know, integrated school systems um they i grew up in on the south shore of massachusetts lots of racial tension in boston you know in places you didn't go near and mm -hmm. and there were lots of cultural misunderstanding uh, across cultural groups uh, today um, a lot less of that baggage now it doesn't mean it still doesn't exist because all you have to do is look at the data and see that we have more hate groups active out there today than ever before you know anti-semitism is is at the highest it's been in many, many years in this country, in New York City in particular. So uh, for the most part, millennials are much more inclusive in their approach. They want their gay friends to be able to work with them. And employers are finding out that if you don't have an inclusive place, if I don't see my black or my Hispanic or my biracial friends or my gay friends um, being able to work there, well, I'm not going to work there. And so that's really uh, causing employers to change the way they think about preparing the workforce for tomorrow. You know, when you were saying that, I started to think about how many, um, it, currently now when we're such a tribal, uh, us and them right now, hotbed, where there are folks saying, well, I just don't want to be politically correct and, and things just get spewed out. Um, it, it reminds me of a lot of the early years, the, the tough times, the civil rights, the, all the things that we fought for. But it just seems like there's a huge whiplash right now of just horrible things being said. Maybe they thought them all along, but now there's just so much more permission just to say these terrible things. But I don't think the millennials are buying into it. It almost feels like the last hurrah of a real ugly speech. Well, certainly that is what we would hope for. Uh, I think if you look at um, some of the people protesting, you look at some of the people in the margins, you look at some of these organizations that are spewing, you know, anti-Semitism and anti-immigrants, and, and we're a country of immigrants, um, they're, they're against Black Lives Matter or whatever the case may be. There's plenty of young people out there who are following in the footsteps of their parents. Uh, what I think is really being called into question is, is um, you know the moral compass of America, and um, you know even though politically we are really uh, on the extremes, I think you know America's goodness is going to show its its wonderful face, and we'll start to see some real change uh, that will bring us to the table of hospitality uh, instead of you know to the brink of um, of uh, hate and and uh, hate speech. And it's really about connecting with the community, isn't it? Looking at how do we make those authentic relationships in multicultural communities? Well, connecting the community is really critical for businesses today because uh, all politics are local. All recruiting is local. Uh, you sell and market to the people that are within a small radius around your restaurant, your hotel, your store. And as those demographics change, you have to change with them. How do I sell to a more Hispanic audience? How do I sell to a more Muslim audience? How do I sell? Again, you know, Michael Jordan said it years ago, 
uh, when he was talking about why he didn't get involved with politics, he says Republicans buy sneakers too. So he's trying to sell sneakers to both sides. And that's kind of the way we are in the restaurant industry. We want to be able to sell and market our quality products and services to people regardless of their politics, regardless of their religion. Uh, we want to treat people as, as, as guests. Well, in our next segment, we're going to be talking about how you're taking it on the road. We're going to be going on regional roundtables. And we've got one coming up here in St. Paul at Ecolab. Um, we have about a minute. You want to share just a, just a top line about what you see happening at these regional roundtables, and then we'll talk more in the next segment? Well, basically, each of these uh, segments will be illustrating, here's what we're seeing in the industry. So here are trends that are happening macro across the country. Uh, here's some of the solutions MFHA has been focused on. And then here's a taste of actually one of our workshops. So I think that's uh, that's the format that we hope to to launch. Uh, and, and lastly, we'll, we'll, we'll be listening to what the issues are that are local that we should be working on as we move forward. Terrific. So in our next segment, we're going to be hearing more about these regional roundtables. Uh, the one here in Minneapolis, St. Paul, is going to be on June 14th. And stay tuned so you hear all about it. And you're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and we're talking about Multicultural Food Service and Hospitality Alliance, MFHA.net. Stay tuned to hear more about the MFHA Regional Roundtables. We'll be right back. Stages Theatre Company is dedicated to creating a space where diverse opinions, courageous dialogue, and community engagement is not only valued, but vital to our shared artistic and educational success. Stages Theatre Company creates a welcoming home for all. For over 30 years, Stages has supported quality theater programming for children. Stages gives opportunities for youth to be on stage, backstage, in the audience, and in the classroom. Whether you come to see a show, enroll a young person in a workshop, or benefit from their outreach programs in the community, Stages brings art to life. Learn about Stages Theater by going to stagestheater.org and become part of the magic of live theater by taking your family to an amazing show or enrolling someone you love in an education program. Stages Theater Company operates out of the Hopkins Center for the Arts, located in Main Street in the heart of downtown Hopkins. For more information on Stages Theater, go to stagestheater.org. That's stagestheater.org. With all the convenient big box stores that sell appliances, why do so many Minnesotans choose Warner Stellion? Check online to learn that Warner Stellion is a Minnesota family-owned business for over 60 years. Warner Stellion sells more brands than anyone else, and our passionate specialists are committed to impressing you so much that you'll refer us to everyone you know. That's our mission here at Warner Stellion. Ask around, check us out online, and when it's your time to buy appliances, join over 300,000 Minnesota homeowners and choose the specialists. Warner Stellion. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Shambot from Shambot Family Dentistry. We're the fear-free, get-you-out-of-pain-now dental office. We always offer a free exam and x-rays for new patients because we believe you shouldn't have to pay to find out what's wrong with your teeth. Call today. We're open early and late and Saturdays to fit your schedule. As my daughter Rachel says, If you don't see my dad, please see another dentist. Take care of your teeth because they're the only ones you get. Call 1-800-FIX-MY-TEETH or visit fixmyteeth.us. Saturdays at 1 p.m., you have a chance at a fresh start, a new beginning. Hi, everybody. This is Freddie Bell, host of New Beginnings. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, spirituality, and even entertainment. Every day is a chance for a fresh start. Join us Saturdays at 1 p.m. for New Beginnings with Freddie Bell on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. When you think of a Russian souvenir, I bet that Matryoshka, the nesting doll, is the first thing that comes to mind. I'm happy to say that our exhibition of these Matryoshka dolls, which delighted thousands of families over the holidays, has been extended through August 11th. Whether you're from Moscow or Mankato, you'll be stunned by the variety, shapes, and intricate details of this massive collection. Deals on Groupon. Visit us today or online at tmora.org. Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and we have Jerry Fernandez, who is the president and founder of the Multicultural Food Service and Hospitality Alliance. That's MFHA.net. 
go look it up. There's some cool things happening with that organization that I get to be a part of as well. Jerry and I have been working together for 11 years, and it's a privilege and a pleasure to have you today. Ah, great to be here. Uh, excited to talk about something that uh, really is uh, a big part of my life. Well, we've been talking about people having a hard time talking about um, unconscious biases, hard to talk about how how do we all get along, how do we all figure it out, why are police being called in a nice hospitality environment. And I really admire the work that you've done over these years to really call that attention and to still have your hopeful vision for uh, having a place where we can break bread together in um, a successful and, and warm and loving environment, which restaurants can be. And with that, you're creating the roundtables. So tell me about your vision for the creation of these regional roundtables and what you want to accomplish. I do also want to mention that we will be having the MFHA regional roundtable hosted at Ecolab on June 14th. And information about that is at MFHA.net. But Jerry, tell me about your concept about the roundtable. Well, I, I'm not going to take credit for the for the concept. Oh, yeah, you from should. One of, from one of our, <laughs> one of our members' um, uh, companies, Denny's, said, look, you know, we're, we're, we're down here in the southeast part of the U.S., and we have some challenges and some struggles with how we're engaging uh, people from different cultural groups. We want to learn what other people are doing. How about if we got everybody together and we sat around a table and, you know, talked about what you're working on and I share what I – so that's how the concept came um, came into being and we were at a meeting at Chick-fil-A and, and I said, well, let's, let's make that, let's try to make that happen. And so we've been able to put, uh, five cities together, soon to be six, uh, where we will take the approach of inviting local companies that are from the food and hospitality space. Um, in some instances, there'll be people from outside our industry who will come together, you know, we'll have a, 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 a short breakfast and, and then hear from, from our leadership about what is going on in the industry. You can't be everywhere. You can't be working with every company, but MFHA is fortunate to be working with almost 60 companies. And we have been all across the country, so we kind of know what the issues are around recruiting, retention, development, about franchisee um, engagement. And so we'll give an update on what's happening in, in, in the industry what some of the, the themes are, some of the trends, what's working, what's not working. Uh, then we'll ask uh, uh, people to share, you know, what's happening in their world. So kind of a roundtable, everybody get a chance to check in and tell us, you know, at Ecolab, this is what we're working on. You know, at General Mills, this is what we're working on. You know, at Applebee's here in the Twin Cities, this is this is a challenge we're having, blah, blah, blah. And so uh, everyone will get a sense to see who else is in the room and say, hey, they're having the same problem I'm having. And then we'll have a, a, a little more dialogue about what uh, what one or two things could MFHA help you on. And once we finish that segment, then we'll go into delivering one of our four solutions, uh, either the Unconscious Bias Workshop, the Cultural Intelligence um, uh, Engagement Workshop, the Leadership and Professional Development for Next Gen Talent, or the Community Engagement uh, Workshop. And then from there, we'll wrap up and... And uh, we'll head off to our next city. So that's the format. Uh, we're excited about it. If it works real well this year, uh, we'll go into full one-day events uh, because these events this year are going to go pretty much from 8 till about noon. One of the things that I really like about it is that we started the show talking about how difficult it can be to talk. And what I also hope for these regional roundtables is that dialogue can be uh, it can be exciting, it can be interesting, uh, it doesn't have to be something that you're afraid of, and that you can help guide that that style and that way of being able to approach each other. Um, and I think that's what it comes down to, is how are we all approaching each other and finding those connections, finding those ways uh, to be able to talk about tough stuff? Well, yeah, a number of years ago, I had the good fortune to when I, when I lived in the Twin Cities, as a matter of fact, in 2000, I had the good fortune of being able to go around the world in just over two weeks. And started in Asia and ended up in Europe and came back uh, to the Twin Cities. And when I got back from that trip, uh, there was something that really kind of resonated with me, that, that breaking bread, uh, regardless of where you do it, sitting down 
uh, with food and hospitality is how um, cultures come together. And so I have a statement on my wall that really talks about the, trying to improve the quality of life for people of difference by using food and hospitality as a vehicle for greater cultural understanding. And so that's what we're going to be doing with our roundtables to try to increase our understanding of each other, of the issues, um, and understand what we can work together on collaboratively to solve problems in, in our industry and in our business sector. But I've seen this in communities. And when communities sit down and break bread, when you bring someone into your home, when your children see you bring in somebody who doesn't look like you. So if you're white and you bring a Muslim into your house and you have dinner and you talk about things, when you, you do that, there's something changes in, in the dialogue. And so I think that the metaphor for what we're doing is that, that maybe we should be having more roundtables uh, uh, in, in the country today to talk more about you know, what's common and how we can solve problems together. Uh, instead of, you know, rallies where, you know, we throw stones at each other. Well, I'm all for that. I'm all for creating the connection and all for creating community. And I appreciate the work that you're doing to help create community here in the Twin Cities with the Regional Roundtable. Uh, you're also going to be in Chicago, uh, and Kellogg's is supporting that one. Uh, Cameron Mitchell in Ohio. Uh, Darden down in Orlando, and then uh, Chick-fil-A in Atlanta. Yeah, we're, we're excited. Those are all companies that have demonstrated leadership. Uh, and I would encourage people, if you if you want to know how to get engaged on this, go go to the Internet, type in on YouTube, uh, Unconscious Bias or Cultural Intelligence. Watch a few videos. Um, I have no doubt in my mind that you'll, you'll see some things that will be new to you. You'll learn some things. Uh, and if you share that with your kids, you'll, uh, you'll create real opportunity for, for higher-level conversations that I believe will go a long way in helping, helping us to, uh, to be a, a better country, uh, a better people. And for leadership in the future, do you have some ideas that you'd like to share in closing for things to be thinking about when you're leading a company or you're leading a department? Um, what are some things that you can give us uh, an idea to be thinking about in terms of how to build that, that multicultural team. Well, you know, there's a couple of things that are emerging. Um, we're at pretty much full work, um, full employment. And uh, what we're going to have to learn how to be good at is how to take people who don't have all the skills, who haven't been provided all the social skills, who don't know all of what they should know. And we're going to have to work with community groups to really train them and make them um, able to move up the food chain. So that's going to be hard to employ people. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you for your thoughts. Thank you for your leadership. And thank you for the work that you're doing. And I'm excited about our MFHA regional roundtables. For more information, be sure to go to mfha.net and check out all the cool things this organization's doing. And we'll look forward to having you join us next week as well. And thank you for being part of the conversation and making the connections to a better world. <laughs>